Welcome to Getting Heated, the place to debate and discuss all things surf-related. On deck today, the Rip Curl Rottenest Search has been unfamiliar waters for most surfers on tour, but who has adjusted best to the new location? And does Tatiana Weston Webb's early exit at the Rip Curl Rottenest Search create a true setback to her title campaign? Plus, big scores can come with even bigger claims, but claiming it isn't for everyone. Do we love them or hate them? Finally, with new event champs, injuries, and upsets, who has the best chance of slipping into the final five at this point of the season? Time to get these heats started. Here's Coco Ho. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Getting Heated. It's about to get very opinionated in here with three-time world champ Mick Fanning and former CT standout and coach Ross Williams. Guys, are you watching the Rip Curl Rottenest Search? Have been a little bit, yeah. I've uh, I've really enjoyed the new location and uh, watching everyone trying to figure it out. Coco, you must be tripping on that wave. It looks just like uh, Rocky Rights out there. It kind of does. I'm I'm digging that little inside shelf. <laughs> we didn't really know what to expect when the event started at Rottenest Island, but some have adjusted a lot better than others, and that's the subject of Heat One. With several new locations on the championship tour schedule this season, the surfers had to make some big adjustments to the norm, but probably none bigger than competing at the Rip Curl Rottenest Search. So the heat one question is, who has adapted to the new location best and who is your dark horse that's going to do really well? Mick, I'd love to hear your picks. Yeah, look, I guess the obvious answer is, you know, your gold jerseys have, have you know, come out with a bang, but... I think someone who's been in incredible form but just hasn't had much luck through this Australian leg is Conor O'Leary. I think he came out with a bang in that first heat. He looked so on point. Um, from the whispers that I'm hearing from over West, he's one of the guys that's in, in top form in the free surf. So I'm going to put some cash on him and see if he goes all the way. The other person, I think this person, this wave really suits this person down the ground and that's Joanne Defay. The left, she's got an incredible backhand. She's won in many lefts, especially growing up at St. Lou. And her forehand is is strong for those rights. So they're my two picks for, for the rest of the event. Yeah, solid, Nick. I think, uh, you know, the old question here, adapting to this new spot at, at Rottenest Island, is um, it's, a, it's a good call because, you know, I think everyone only had, what, two days to warm up. So everyone was trying to figure out the lineup, where to sit. No one's familiar with certain swell directions. No one, no one has a history, of really, of surfing this wave. So as you mentioned, you know, someone who's, who's known for figuring out waves always, like his first session, he's such a natural, um, is Gabriel Medina. It's a natural gift. It really is. It's so impressive. I mean, I even rewinding a bit. I remember when Gabriel first, his first couple years in Hawaii, he instantly figured out the lineup at Pipe, uh, at Sunset. He's just one of those guys where you can see his mind turning when he's in the water. He's instantly honing in on where to sit, where the locals are sitting, which boil to focus on. And then the other thing that just freaks me out about Gabriel is those waves were really hard to surf. Let's face it, you know, it was really straight. It was sort of bending out to seas both ways, even the right and the left look pretty tough unless you got like the, the magic wave per set. And you know, that 9.3 or whatever it was that Gabriel got in the offshore wind to do an alley-oop and then a reverse in the same wave was just out of this world. So 
Gabriel instantly figures out the lineup and then refuses to surf bad in really tricky conditions. So, I mean, he is just a beast. As far as Dark Horse, I, I really liked the way Nikki Van Dyke surfed. Um, I thought she was really smart to, uh, in an elimination round, to go over to those little rights. Um, I think, you know, if that's a lesson to be, um, to have out here at Rotsness Island is you, you can't really solidify yourself to one plan. You gotta have to be uh, kind of nimble and, you know, I thought that was very clever for her to go over to those rights. And it also was a reminder of how great she surfs in those sort of slabby, shallow reefs. She's a, she's, she's a little warrior, you know, she was, you know, hitting the lip pretty hard out there. Nice. That's a, it's uh, a good dark horse. She's got a pretty tough hate coming up against Stephanie Gilmore. So uh, we'll see how she goes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of like her chances because Stephanie Gilmore has that long drawn out turn, you know, very stylish and carby, whereas Nikki's a little sharper and and creates angles. So, you know, it's it would be an upset, but I think she could do it. Yeah, Steph, Steph on that little ride could be pretty exciting. Uh, she's got the, you know, obviously her forehand surfing is incredible, but I think it's it's no secret. She, she tries to avoid lefts as we all do on the Gold Coast. And, um, you know, I, I think that that might be a little bit of a downfall for her, but her backhand is incredible. Um, she's just got to back herself and, and really believe in it. One thing I think that had me tripping about rottenness was getting comfortable looked very hard there because of the inconsistency alone. I heard the free surfs were out of this world. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> when we return, will Tati's early round loss hurt her title campaign? And to claim or not to claim, that is the debate. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to Getting Heated. In a new location, we saw a handful of unexpected upsets. Let's get into a huge one on the women's side for Heat 2. After taking the event win at Margaret River, Tatiana Weston-Webb had a surprising loss early in the elimination round against Nikki Van Dyke and wildcard Mia McCarthy. So for Heat 2, does Tati's early round loss create a real setback to her final campaign? Mick, what's the setback? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think the setback is going to be that big. What I will say, though, is that the curse of the hero to zero. You know, she's been in such great form. You know, she's she's finaled pretty much every event of the Australian leg. And, you know, to have 
back-to-back finals and then come out with a win. I think what's happened here is maybe her preparation or desire sort of lacked a little bit. She would have been getting pulled each and every way after the big win. She was the it girl for a couple of days. And, you know, you sort of start missing little things. Also, too, you, because your confidence is so high, maybe she thought she could have put scores on the board on lacklustre waves where you can't do that in the CT. So. A setback, I don't think so. I think it's probably just a good learning curve for her. But realising the mistakes that she made will help her out when it comes to these finals, you know, in September. But, yeah, she's got to go and address exactly what's happened and why she, you know, frothed out too much on those little waves. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a really frustrating one for, for me to watch, Mick, as, as her coach and, and talking to her prior and, and, and coming up with a, a good little game plan. And I know her tendencies, everyone, everyone has their strengths, everyone has their weaknesses. And so you try to fit in their, their strengths into that 30 minutes at that surf spot. And so for Rot's Nest, the morning of the elimination round was really slow. So you knew it was going to be challenging. We knew that it was, there was going to be a bit of a luck factor and you have to really make zero mistakes. The event she lost early in Newcastle was sort of the same thing where she just had a hard time, two things, identifying which waves were really scorable and then picking up the pace in terms of, you know, the rhythm of the sets. And she did that in the elimination round. She, her very first wave, she chose like a two foot little closeout and then there was just a bomb behind her. And then it went flat for like 15 minutes. So when you have slow, inconsistent conditions like that, you know, it really does put uh, emphasis on making perfect decisions. She made a couple of mistakes, but her energy, her focus was really good. Her confidence is always high, but I don't think she was getting cocky or ahead of herself. It was just one of those things. And looking back with her as sort of a team with Greg Browning, and she's got good support there, but looking back at it, we're just trying to make sure, okay, you know, I know you got a bit unlucky, but there's always mistakes that have been made. Let's make sure you don't miss the point here and, and, and move on. Yeah, a few days ago, Ross, I was going to say, maybe you should stay at home and coach from home. You know, Greg was doing such a great job with two finals back to back and she looked incredible. Sometimes you just get ahead of yourself. Sometimes, you know, you don't get the, the preparation that you want. That's not going to get any easier, especially if when she's at the top of the ratings, you know, she's going to get called for more interviews. She's going to get called for more appearances. So I think learning to adapt and be prepared with shorter preparations might be a thing for Taddy. Well, you're definitely speaking from experience and, and you know firsthand that there's something there. When you win events, certainly win a world title, you're going to get asked a lot more for interviews and stuff like that. So there's there's energy that's being pulled from you in that way. And there, there, that might have been a small aspect of it. But, you know, her, her preparation was as good as anyone else. You know, everyone had a couple days. She warmed up a bunch. Her boards were, were working really well. Just a couple very small mistakes in those heats that was magnified by a very inconsistent swell. And also, you know, Greg Browning is tour papa. I'm the coach right here. So you can uh, clock those, those victories right here, pal. <laughs> you might have to <laughs> take your 10%, mate. <laughs> the inconsistency in Taki's heat was so heartbreaking. I would have loved to see her with another big win and an even better big claim, which is our subject for Heat 3. Claims in surfing. Do we love them or hate them? Ross, what's your take? Oh, we love claims. I mean, claims are awesome. Uh, you know, that, that's just uh, pure emotion pouring out of your body. The tricky part is 
timing. You know, if you get too wrapped up in needing a score, especially if it's a mediocre score, and you fist pump and do that, that sort of, you know, selling it to the judges type of claim, and it doesn't come off right, you know, that's, that's when you're sort of putting yourself out there. And there's been, you know, a handful of sort of funny moments, awkward moments out there of people, you know, trying to sell it to the judges and kind of claiming a wave that they would nowhere near claim if they're free surfing or, you know, filming for a part or something. So it's a different animal, you know, it's, you know, in the heat of competition, a 4.8 or a 6.8 can mean everything to you. And it's just about advancing. And that's when you get some really funny claims. Um, but some are worse than others, Mick. <laughs> some are definitely worse than others. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think um, there's a bit of chatter around Kanoa's at Margaret River. It's pretty funny. He was right in the moment there, wasn't he? But then there's a fun side to it. I remember when I was competing, I would bet with mates a lot of the time. You know, if I got a good wave, I would make up a claim with them or, you know, even have bets on, on football games where I had to do a claim of their choice. You know, there's one at J-Bay where I had to do the 2-5 for a mate's AFL jersey number. Uh, another one in Fiji, I told my uh, Fijian friends that I'll do the Meki and do the hula dance. Uh, but there is, a, there is a side to it where uh, it can be very disruptive. This one was incredible. Wiggly Dontas versus Joel Parkinson at J-Bay. He got absolutely barreled and he claimed it so hard he threw himself off the wave and missed the score by that much. I do remember that. That right there is when you want to uppercut yourself and say, I'm never going to claim again. <laughs> I remember that. I clearly remember that. And, and that's my whole sort of take on this is by no means do we want to see claims go away. Claims are awesome. They're entertaining. But you better make sure it's a pretty darn good wave or it's a good score. Because if not, you know, it could be pretty embarrassing. And on top of that, if you're prolific, if you're someone that's consistently claiming and sort of selling it, people are going to notice. And it's kind of like the, the boy who cried wolf too many times, you know, and it's going to look <laughs> embarrassing. And there's some that are, you know, consistently claimed. You brought up Kanoa. Kanoa kind of claims a lot. He does this kind of funny thing too, where it looks like he He's really mad and angry and wants to fight his surfboard that he's got his like passionate claim. Tyler Wright is kind of a prolific claimer on the women's side. I think she claims a, a bit too much. Ace Bucken was another one um, kind of selling it to the judges a lot, I think. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really fun to watch. It's, it's entertaining, but you're putting yourself out there. You know, that, that's one side of it. One person who I love watching claim is Joanne Defoe. She's just like her excitement after a wave. She's like, oh my God, I just did that. Or um, like, it, it's incredible. She, she's so fun to watch when she is claiming because it's all just pure joy. She never really fist pumps as if she's ever mad or anything like that. And that, that's fun. Um, so look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of watching people's emotions. I'm a fan of uh, the claim. But yeah, as you said, don't fall off for a claim because then you look like an idiot. Oh, poor Wiggly. I will say, Coco, I don't know if you remember this, though, like two or three, maybe four years ago, Kelly Slater came up with the idea of putting out a tip jar. And if anyone claimed a wave that was under eight point ride, you had to put a hundred bucks in there. Somehow I, that idea wasn't very popular. Everyone be broke right now. <laughs> exactly. And it was getting too, it was getting too consistent. Judges aren't giving over five. Too, too many surfers were abusing the claim. That was the whole theory there. So maybe we should bring that back. The old, the naughty claim tip jar. 
I fully remember that conversation, and I think that's why I've never once claimed anything. That's a lie. I've seen you claim. <laughs> I think I claimed at Surf Ranch solely off being stoked that I completed the wave. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. That's <laughs> worthy. Uh, that's worth it. <laughs> when we return, will the final five see some big changes at the end of the Aussie leg? We're going deep into this when we come back. Welcome back to Getting Heated. Guys, how are you feeling about your initial Final Five predictions? I have no idea who I chose. <laughs> I think you're pretty good. Four out of five in both sides. Nice. The Final Five will be our topic of going deep. Who do you think has the best chance of slipping into the Final Five at this point? Ross, who are your picks as of late? I like Griffin. I think Griff has sort of found his groove, Mick. I think, um, you know, we've always talked about his talent, how he's a potential top guy. And it seems like he's got a lot of momentum. Um, obviously, he's sitting at sixth right now in the ratings. He's still going as we speak um, at Rot's Nest Island. Um, but I see him as a surfer that is going to surf well at the surf ranch. You know, he loves that venue. He loves, um, I think he's a bit of a clutch surfer. He likes the pressure. Um, and Brazil and Mexico too sit him down right to the tee. So, uh, and the cool thing about Griffin is I like his chances at lowers. That's a home event for him. He's great in the air. He's a strong power surfer. So I'm on the Griff train for this one. Yeah, look, Griff, Griff's a great call. Um, one person who I feel hasn't, he's been doing incredible surfing, but just hasn't got the big result yet. And I feel like it's just, it's just right there is Arkal. You know, he surfed incredibly at Marg's. Um, he's, he's been surfing, he surfed incredible at um, Newcastle and he's just been unlucky in the heats that he's lost. But he's been putting up big scores every event. So I feel like he's on the verge of a, a really big, big result. I feel like the left at Rottnest is something that um, would really suit him down to the ground. But then the right, he's back in, he's, he's got that big throwaway um, full rotator as well. So um, on the girls' side, this one's a tricky one, but um, I think we're going to see an extremely strong tussle between Tyler and Sally Fitzgibbons. Sally is so well-rounded in all different realms of, of the areas. Um, you know, you talk about the surf ranch, you talk about Brazil, you talk about Mexico. She can find all those locations. Uh, Tyler is incredible in all those locations as well. Where I'll give Sally the upper edge, just a, a, by a hair, is on her back end. Um, watching Sally at the at the surf ranch, she was incredible. Um, place like Brazil on her back end. I think they're the places that are gonna, she might just have the, a little bit of an edge over Tyler. But in saying that, Tyler surprises me every time she paddles out. So uh, yeah, it, I just feel like those two are gonna have a great tussle. Yeah, the women's side seems more predictable for sure. Like I see Tyler Wright on the women's side catching momentum because up to this point, I haven't been impressed with her surfing for, you know, if you compare it to herself, you know, she's, she hasn't surfed up to par for what she can produce, not even by a long shot in my opinion. So um, I think she's too talented and still too competitive 
to, to sort of stay in that funk. I think she's going to snap out of it during this event. And I like the way Tyler surfs um, in barrels. I think she can get you know, great barrel riding in Mexico at the ranch. But if I did have to choose a, a dark horse for the women, I like Isabella. I know she's really inconsistent, but that's, that's to be said for a rookie. Um, but she's got a bit of fireworks in her surfing. She's, and she seems like she's got a ton of tenacity too. She's like really fun to watch. She's a fiery competitor. So um, if I had to choose one dark horse for the women, uh, Mick, I would go Isabella. All good picks, all good picks. One thing I forgot to mention about Tyler, you know, you brought up Tahiti, is that her brothers are going to be in the channel screaming at her. So she's going to have to go. <laughs> and she has surfed before. The boys have pushed her into some big waves. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that um, research that she's done there in the past might serve her well, especially coming into that final event and then having her brothers right there with all their info. That could be a little bit of a tip in, in the right direction for Tyler. But yeah, look, I'm super excited, especially on the men's side, about what could happen because those guys that are sitting in sixth, seventh and tied for eighth, you know, we haven't even spoken about Connor Coffer and Okinawa. Those two guys can, can really put it together when the time comes. And I feel like Kanoa is one who's really finding his feet on tour and he's, he's deadly in all conditions. He's one of those guys that has the magnet on he he always seems to be on the best waves so uh you know that really falls in his favor as well yeah kanoa is such a modern day surfer isn't he you know, he's, he seems super wired and, and just tapped in um he is like uh constantly gauging the lineup really smart surfer and i like the way kanoa surfs um at the surf ranch he's um, pretty aggressive which i like because in the ocean and um, i feel like kanoa tends to be a little bit conservative or more of a control freak surfer. Like he, he makes sure he lands his moves. So he, he scales it back a bit, but not so much at the surf ranch. Kanoa is like pretty aggressive there. He usually blasts a big air reverse that first section at, on the right at the, at the surf ranch. So yeah, he's, a, he's going to be a fun one to watch uh, un, unfold here for, for the West coast. Yeah, he's, he's pretty deadly in that surf ranch. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, look, I, uh, I can't wait to watch more. Very solid picks for someone who can slide in. I feel like these last four events have shown us a lot. Who's your picks, Coco? I didn't really think about mine. <laughs> I feel like the girls is very... <laughs> I feel like the girls is much more locked in than the guys, and that's how it's kind of been my whole career. The top five was always the same few girls, but... It's exciting to see new faces in there. You got Tati, you got Caroline, and I think they'll be there for a long time. That does it for today's episode. Don't miss the pointy end of the Rip Curl Rotness search on worldsurfleague.com. Good luck with your fantasy teams. Cheers. <laughs>